This is What Started Your Fire, where we explore the stories and insights, tactics, and best practices of first responders and emergency support personnel. Get inspired, get informed, get involved. Let's roll. Welcome back to What Started Your Fire. My name is Chad Dar. I am joined today by Mike Martinick. Mike, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I think to start off our conversation today, you wouldn't mind just giving me a little bit of a of a background of of how you got started, uh, how you got started with the service. Um, this this month marks my twelfth year in the fire service. I um, just recently, as of February twenty one, became a full time firefighter and EMT, advanced EMT for the department that I'm on. Um, I resigned from being a physical education teacher for 22 years. Um, So what initially got me going in the fire service was um, the events of 9-11 happened during my third year of being a teacher. And I was teaching at an elementary school, um, seeing all the events that go on. And it was in a very small town in Jackson, Wisconsin. And at that time, I knew nothing about the the smaller like volunteer or paid on call fire departments. I grew up in Racine, Wisconsin, where everything was full time departments. Um, I would say I was always interested in the fire service, just never knew the avenues to pursue it. So in let's see, it was 2009 driving by the Jackson Fire Station. They had a sign out that said, are you interested in joining? Come to our orientation. So I went that morning, they went through an EMS scenario and I was like, ah, okay, you know, that's cool. But then when we went back to the fire station, they dressed up all up in gear. They lit two cars on fire and let us go at it and then rip them apart with extrication equipment. And I was hooked. So right then and there, I, you know, got an application, filled it out. And then for the next 11 to 12 years, I've been taking classes and been on various smaller departments and looking for that right fit for a full-time position and finally found it. Fantastic. Um, I have a little bit of experience in uh, small town volunteer uh, EMS work. So I had volunteered for an ambulance service for a number of years, a long time ago. And um, talk a little bit about the challenges of of those departments. And um, did you see kind of a, a real strong need for additional firefighters? Is, is, is there that perpetual demand just because, you know, fires don't stop uh, happening, right? But uh, life continues on and people have other things that they, they put their effort into? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, I mean, whether they're right now a volunteer, paid on call or full-time, departments are hurting right now for staffing. Um, and in the small town that I started out in, I lived there, I was a full-time teacher. So a lot of the calls I'd be showing up at students, families, houses, and in a way that helped the children because they saw a familiar face and kind of a hectic time, but that would also kind of let you into those students' houses and see what they're going through on a daily basis. And sometimes it was pretty scary, to be honest. Um, the need for staffing is, is always going to be there. Um, the, the smaller departments that are volunteer where you have people working their full-time job and then committing to hours on a schedule overnights or on the weekends, 
that it gets taxing for all of them, whether they are, you know, a combination department or the smaller volunteer departments. And in my department, we were fortunate enough to be paid for everything that we did. So we go to training, we go to school, we show up for a call, we're constantly getting paid. Um, but there's other departments out there that have a, a very strong following that they don't see a single cent, but they're there for the to help the community and the, the camaraderie of the fire station itself. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about how those experiences that you had going into the homes of your students' families, um, did that kind of change your approach a little bit as a teacher? Did, did your service, your volunteer service with the fire department, did that end up having ancillary um, effects on how you interacted with students or, or your response to certain items? Um, in a way, because the, the younger students, since I was teaching kindergarten through fifth grade, the younger ones would come to school and they'd show up in the gym and then they would say, oh, Mr. Martinick was at my house last night. And, you know, it could have been a scenario where maybe a parent had a severe medical issue due to illegal issues. And, uh, you know, I would just look at the student and say, yeah, you know, yes, I was there. Let's let's talk about this later. You know, I don't think your personal information should be brought in front right. of this classroom because obviously kids are going to talk. Right. Um, and on the opposite end of that, the very first medical call that I went on before I even became an EMT, it was for a student's parent having a medical issue and the student was extremely scared. So I was able to pull that student away from that portion of the house, go sit in the living room, just talk, you know, hey, go show me, you know, what are you working on in your bedroom right now? Or what books are you reading? And that kind of just took a a big weight off their chest. Like, okay, I can, I can talk about something else. They're taking care of my dad. Um, Mr. Martinick's talking to me. So in that scenario, it was good. And then I guess, I don't know if you could say like a third end of that spectrum is I would have former students that I would constantly see over and over again where their parents were calling 911 for negative reasons. And that kind of weighed on me a lot, especially because I, after I was done at the elementary school for a number of years, I actually went on to teach at the high school. So I would see those kids every single day and, you know, they did know that they had somebody they could come and talk to. And I'm not going to pass judgment because they know I see great things. They know I see people at their very worst times of their life. So they had someone they could talk to. I would say I didn't necessarily have somebody that I could talk to other than other people on my department, but none of them were in that exact same situation of seeing people on calls and then working with them at your normal job. Yeah. And that's the old adage for teachers, right? Is that children always view teachers as oh, you only live at the school because that's only where I see you, especially for younger kids, right? And then yeah. showing up with a fire truck at their house or something, uh, yeah, it's got to be a different experience for them, for them too. I would also imagine for the older students, right? There's a little bit of a of a familiarity or a safety, uh, kind of an assumed safety with both being a teacher and and you know uh, showing up with a with other volunteers and with, you know, uniform and a fire truck, there's, there's that safety aspect of that too. Talk a little bit about the, the things that you have learned and and kind of internalized from your experiences uh, with the fire department. Um, 
main, the, the biggest thing that I've learned, which also goes along with teaching is how to deal with the diversity in your community and the diversity of their situation. I mean, you could have the, the lower income people experiencing the exact same thing as the people, people that are considered, you know, middle-class or upper-class, you know, the, the medical issues have no boundaries. The addictions have no boundaries. Um, fires, those are few and far between, but obviously those have no boundaries as well. And it, it taught me a lot to um, deal with the, the different situations as well as separate one job from the other and then kind of be a little hesitant as to what I would share with my wife when I got home, whether it was from what happened at school or what happened at the firehouse. Um, the, with the people that you serve with, have they been, assuming they've been involved in various aspects of the fire service for a while, do you have, have you always had, or do you have kind of that go-to person if there's, if there's something that you need to need to address if there's somebody there for you? Oh, absolutely. Um, the, at the first department I was on, I was in kind of like a, a probationary class of six people. And after like eight years, there was only two of us left. And he is still on that department. I've obviously moved on to a different department, but we'll still, you know, contact each other and, you know, shoot the breeze about things, bounce ideas off of each other, as well as the, the crew I work with. Um, we're on the, I'm on the red shift. So we have 24 on 48 off. And when I work with my crew, they have a lot of experience um, in different areas than I do. So we are all constantly like each other's sounding board and, and it works out great. What started your fire is powered by ultra bright lights. Ultra bright lights is on the road and on the scene with vehicle warning lights, sirens, controllers, and more as we support police, firefighters, EMTs, security, towing, and others who demand the best in exterior vehicle lighting. Explore our huge selection at ultra bright lights, spelled with a Z.com. You get asked a lot about, um, from younger children or, or, or not children, but older children and younger adults that have an interest in getting involved. Any recommendations that you would give to them about starting a, a service with the fire department? Uh, yeah, if it's, I get asked a lot. And if it's something that they're intending to be a, a career firefighter, um, I always suggest if you live in an area that has a smaller department, start with that. And you can, you can get a feel for things and they will help send you to get your education. Um, the big thing being a full-time firefighter is usually you have to be cross-trained and they always want paramedics. They'll take EMTs or advanced EMTs and then train them to become paramedics. But obviously the department financially would always prefer to have a licensed paramedic so that they don't have to go through the schooling. Uh, but I've never, I've never steered anybody away from joining the fire service. When I worked in Jackson, I had former students that actually joined and okay. that was a unique situation where, you know, they're like, do I call him Mike? Do I call him Mr. Martinick? Do I just say at the time I was a Lieutenant, do I call him Lieutenant? So, you know, it was a little, um, uncomfortable at first for them. For me, it wasn't a big deal. Um, but for them, they, you know, just getting used to everything. But again, 
then they had the familiar face. Right. Now, if those students would come up to me and say, hey, I'm interested in becoming a teacher, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you, might, you might want to second guess that one. <laughs> right, right. D- did you end up seeing characteristics in those former students who were, who were joining the fire service that you remember kind of feeling or going through when you were in the early parts of your fire service career? Uh, yeah, I'm most of the, the students that I know that ended up joining the same department that I was on. We have very similar backgrounds. We were all very involved in athletics growing up. Um, we're willing to try new things to figure out what we like, what we don't like. And we're not opposed to somebody giving us a direction as to what to do. We didn't, or I didn't come into the fire service thinking, Oh, I know everything. Or each time I was on a different department, I didn't come in thinking, well, I do it this way. And this is the better way. It's you got, you have to be a sponge and you have to absorb everything and I remember telling that to one of the, the former students' parents because they were nervous about their son joining the fire department just because of the job in general. Um, and I hopefully gave them confidence to know that no matter what happens, we all have each other's back. We're there to teach the younger kids. We're not there to make fun of them. We're not there to watch them fail and then give them a hard time. We have to be there to guide them in the right direction, especially in these days where fire service is hurting for people. Mm -hmm. Throughout the different uh, departments that you've worked with, are there certain roles that you've really, really enjoyed? Um, Like on calls, some people in my prior experience liked the medical aspect of it versus kind of the motor vehicle accident side of it or the you know, support for a house fire? Are there, there are certain types of, of incidents that, that you felt, um, you felt very strongly about, about your part in that, in that role that you were much more comfortable with early on? Um, well, we all, we're all the adrenaline junkies and we all crave that, that house fire, not wishing, you know, bad things on anybody to be in that situation, but that's what we train for. That's what we really like to do is, you know, go in there, put it, find where the fire is, put it out, investigate it, figure out how it happened. The, the reality of it is that 90, 95% of our calls are all medical. You're in the ambulance. And if you don't have a, a desire or a passion to work with other people, then it's, it's probably not a good idea for you. I didn't think that I would ever be able to handle, you know, seeing the the bone sticking out of a leg and not just stare at it. And now, I mean, I got over that, especially because when it happens, it, those situations, it wasn't somebody that I knew. Um, if it was somebody that I knew, then it does take on a whole different aspect. But you focus on your training in those situations. And you have the other people on your crew there as well to say, okay, you know, I'm going to take care of this. You take care of this. That way you don't have it all on you. And you're not worried about, you know, what's going to happen to this person. It's going to be 100% my fault. You have a crew, you work with a team. Um, the, The same scenario for the fires. I mean, you have your department show up, you have other departments locally show up. 
and you work together as a teammate, whether you've ever trained with them or not, or you train with them every day. It's you all work together. So it's a, I would say I started out being, you know, fire, 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 but, you know, EMS is basically what we do every day. And I'm 100% comfortable with that. The people I work with now have boosted my confidence tremendously. I work with three other paramedics and I'm an advanced EMT. So I know they're not going to let me do something stupid, (laughs) I guess. Um, And they're there to support me and say, hey, you know, you did it this way. I've done it this way. You know, is there some way we can meet in the middle, figure out what works the best or, or maybe what would have worked better on this call? So we're constantly critiquing each other. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about, um, you talked about the first time going in and seeing kind of a major trauma. And, and, and I think for anybody who's starting out, there's always that fear of like, what is that experience going to be like the first time for, for people who might be watching this that are interested in going in that think that might be an, an obstacle that's very hard to get past. Talk a little bit about how your training uh, impacts that. And, you know, when you're down on your knees, taking care of somebody, how that, that, that repetition in the training kind of kicks in and takes over. Yeah. When you're, when you're newer in the fire service and EMS, you're, you're still kind of feeling your way out, but as you get used to it, you kind of have your routine and your pat. <clears throat> excuse me, your pattern. And you kind of revert back to that every single call, no matter what the call, whether it's, you know, somebody fell down and you're just helping them up or, you know, somebody was in a three car accident and you have to extricate them from the car. You go through your routine, your, um, your crew helps keep you calm. We keep each other focused. Um, the, I don't know, I guess you could say the first major calls I was on. Yes. I still, I was still nervous. I'm, I'm nervous on every single call even being 12 years into this because no, no calls are ever the exact same. So you can mentally prepare yourself, but when you get there, it could be the complete opposite. And um, you just have to rely on your training. And a lot of the times people don't like to come to the trainings. Oh, it's, you know, it's after work. I I'd rather do this. And, but the training is what helps 100%. The training is what helps. So it's going back and forth with your routine, your training, your crew, and being comfortable with what you're doing. And then your crew also finds out, okay, Mike might not like to do that part of it. So I'll take over that and then we'll train on that till he becomes comfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, Mike, I appreciate you spending your time with me uh, today. Great conversation. Uh, Thank you for your service. Thanks for the time you spent teaching. I know that, uh, that has its own challenges as well. So, uh, but again, thank you for your service and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. And a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. What started your fire is a production of ultra bright lights who invites you to visit us at ultrabrightlights.com and explore our emergency lights and lighting technologies. Ultra bright lights spelled with a Z.com.